1: Proverbs 22, reading from verse number 29. This is going to be our anchor verse this very morning. Proverbs 22, reading from verse number 29, the Bible says, Seest thou a man diligent in his business? He say, he shall not stand, he shall stand before kings, he shall not stand before mean man. In other words, the Lord is saying, if you see a man who is diligent in his work, if you see a man who knows how to apply himself, if you see a man who is hardworking, the Bible is saying that that particular individual will stand before kings, will stand before for noble men it will stand for men of repute it will not stand before ordinary men we see this in the life of joseph the bible makes us to understand that joseph though he was a slave in egypt but he was diligent in the service that he was given and the lord god almighty eventually promoted him when he stood before pharaoh and declared the dreams of pharaoh interpreted it and pharaoh made him the ruler in his place we see the same thing happen in the life of david the Bible makes us to understand that David was a diligent servant. He served his family even in the back of the wilderness. Even his father forgot about him. Okay? His father forgot about him. When the prophet came Let's just imagine who is the big prophet in America or the big preacher in America. Let's assume, it, let's assume that Billy Graham is coming to visit your family and then all of a sudden everybody is invited and your father forgot to send you the invitation. That is what happened to this guy. Samuel, the big prophet, was coming to visit Jesse's family and the father forgot that David was in existence until Samuel had to even remind him that yes, is there, you still have one more boy standing in the wilderness. And the Bible makes us to understand that though he was forgotten, he continued to do what he was supposed to do. And the Bible said eventually the Lord brought him into the presence of the king. The same thing you see in the life of Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle, before he became a Christian, very, very diligent in the persecution of the church. Eventually when the Lord met him and the Lord called him and the Lord gave him the assignment, he eventually became the same passion, the same fervor with which he persecuted the judge was the same passion that he used in preaching the gospel, and the Bible told her that eventually the Lord gave him that privilege to be able to stand before King to testify about our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, see as a man that is diligent in his business. Have you seen a man who knows what he's doing? Have you seen a man who is sold out to what he has been called to do? The Bible says he shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before me, man. A man who is diligent in his work. A man who who does his job. Who takes time to do his job well. Who Who does his business seriously. Who takes his job, his business, his family, his passion, his career seriously. The man who takes his faith, his career, his relationship. Who takes it seriously? He shall not continue to remain in obscurity. That's what the Bible is saying he cannot remain in obscurity. When he does what he's supposed to do and he continues to do it, he will not remain in obscurity. He shall be taken into the services of prince. He shall be taken into the services of noblemen, He shall be admitted into their presence and he shall receive favor from them because he knows what he is doing and is skillful in the way he does it. This is the path that the Bible is describing for us to be able to make progress, for us to be able to succeed in life. But unfortunately, in the age where we live in, many people think that they are entitled to success just because they live in this country, just because they are born in this country, or just because they are are affiliated with a group of people. They feel that they are entitled to it. in In this age, we believe that success is a birthright. We have a generation of people who believe that they can have something for nothing. That all they have to do is graduate from college in a year, and within five years they should be sitting in the top in the corner office in the, on the on the in the penthouse. You know, they have this idea that they believe that success is theirs. All they have to do is to be able to claim their rights, or you know, assert themselves, or do and then use some catchy phrase of a motivational preacher, and then they will be you know, and then success will be theirs. That is the idea that we have. This mentality is not just out there in the business world, it's not just out there in the schools, it's not just out there in the you know in our society and our community, it's also within the church. Somebody who has been born again yesterday, all of a sudden received the call today, and tomorrow he wants to be like Billy Graham. You don't even want to go through the process of maturity. You don't want to go through a process of endurance. We are not ta- We are not willing to take time to build anything. We are not willing to allow God to build our life, to mature us, even to process us, to make us to the people that He wants us to be. We don't want to go through any wilderness experience. We just want to get this and just move straight into the top. And in our own opinion, God's style is so, is so slow. God is so slow in this generation that people are willing to run ahead of him and to do things. There is a mindset that if you start a church, if you start a ministry, if you start a business, if you start a particular career and you are not on TBN or on today's show in, 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 in one or two years, then you are a failure. There's that, there's that mindset in the heart of people that if people don't know what you are doing within a very short period of time, then you have already failed. And that is why you see individuals, you see pastors, you see men, you see women putting their hands in questionable things, going through questionable methods just because they want to be seen. They begin to put things in their hands in the thing, in the business that they have no hands putting, they, they, they have no business putting their hands into, and for some reason they are in a hurry to get to the top. People are in a hurry to get to the top, and the question is, where did this idea? Where did this idea of instant success, where did it come from? Where did this idea that we must get to the top in a very short time, where did it come from? If you look through the scriptures, all through the scriptures, all the people that the Lord God Almighty you, there was a time when he called them, there was a time there when he prepared them, there's a period of maturation before he released them. Jesus Christ ministered for three and a half years, but it took him 30 years to prepare for that particular time of his showing. You look at Moses, 40 years in the wilderness. Look at every one that the Lord Almighty has used. You will find that, that there is a period of preparation. The man that the Lord Almighty will present is a man that he has trained. But the unfortunate thing is that many of us want instant success. The question is, where did this idea come from? How did this idea end up in the church? Why is it that members or of body of Christ, the children of God are not willing to take time to mature themselves, to build up things, to develop things? Why are we such in a, why are we so much in a hurry even in the church? Why? The reason is very simple. The church stopped you know the, 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 the instant idea, the instant success syndrome came into the church when the church stopped seeing itself as the body of Christ, but as a business organization. A lot of people see the church as an organization. That is why nobody does evangelism anymore. We do marketing. Nobody does anything that looks like what the scriptures prescribe anymore. Nobody has time for prayer. When you can always get a say, you know, when you can hire consultants. Why should you repent? When you can go into therapy. There is no longer sin anymore. It's the therapy of sin. Everybody, everything is the fault of your gene, it's the fault of your father. You didn't get enough hug, you didn't get enough. Those were the issues now. The problem is that the instant success came into the church when the church no longer saw itself as the body of Christ, but saw itself as a business organization. Number two, the, the instant success came into the church when the church started looking for the approval of men instead, sorry, looking for the acceptance of men instead of the approval of God. You wanted people to accept us that's why we brought the disco into the church that's why we brought all the other good things into the church but instead of looking for god's approval we are looking for men's and we are looking for men's acceptance that's why the instant success came in because if you want to be approved why should you i mean why they, they tell you why should you begin to wait for god to do things when you are looking for acceptance from men you want to appear to be rich you want to appear to be successful number 3 the instant success came into the church when we became seeker sensitive instead of spirit sensitive I'm not saying that we should not be sensitive to the needs of the people that come to the church. That's not what I'm saying. But the need of the people that come to the church is not what drives the church. It is what God wants to do in the lives of the people that he brings to the church. That is what drives the church. And that is why anything we do has to be based on what the spirit of the almighty God is saying at that point in time. But when we moved away from what the spirit of God is saying to what the people of God to what the people who are coming to church are looking for everything changed. We began to be an instant success church. How did the instant success church uh, instant success uh, syndrome come to the church? It came when profession when we became professional instead of became instead of instead of being called by God. The ministry of the gospel is a calling. And when we moved away from calling into becoming professionals, everything changed. The Bible says, "No man takes this honor upon himself; except who him that is called, like Aaron was called." In other words, when we move from being a calling, when the ministry moved from being a calling to a profession, the instant success came because you want to be successful in your profession, but in your calling, you want to be found faithful. Those are the two different things. When a man is called to do something, he God, the, your, your 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 main motivation is that you want to be faithful. But when you are a professional, you want to be successful. That is the difference. And finally, the idea of instant success entered the church when greed found a place in the wealth and well in, in the in the health and wealth gospel. What does that mean? When preachers came and said, "All oh, you have to do is say it and claim it. Say it and claim it." I'm not saying I've said it over and over here. I am not allergic to money. Okay. So I like for us to be rich. I want this place to be very comfortable. But that is not the entirety of the gospel. When the greed of man, when the greed of men found an easy expression in the, in the, in the prosperity gospel, that is when success syndrome came into the church. When people started wanting to get rich, they wanted to satisfy their greed, and they found a place to cover it up in the gospel. That is how this whole problem started. When all these things found their way into the church, the idea of instant success started taking root in the church. And this idea has not only permeated the church, it has entered into our families, it has entered into our relationship, it has entered into our career, it has even entered into our walk with God, our attitude with God. And that is why when we are praying, you are looking at your time. God, you must answer now. Oh, answer now. Oh, answer now. If you don't answer now, it means that you are not hearing me. You even give God an ultimatum. That if you don't answer me now, I'll do my own thing. So this idea has so permeated every department of our life that people are no longer willing to do what They are not even willing to be patient. There was a young man that I served with as a minister in a particular church here in town. And every time we have this conversation with this guy, he always say, God called me to be a pastor in a mega church. God called me to be a pastor in a mega church. And this church is actually, you know, it's a a fairly large church. Fairly large church here in town. And when, you know, when the opportunity now was given to him to be the lead pastor in that church, this man made all sorts of mistakes. He did a lot of, you know, a lot of foolish things that he did. You know, and the reason was very simple. He desired a mega church, Okay. But the problem was that he did not develop a mega character and the mega skill required to be able to lead a mega church. Amen. Because one thing you want to understand is this. Until you get the skills and the character to be able to carry certain load, you will not be given that responsibility. And if you are given that responsibility, you will only disgrace yourself. And that's why when the Lord Jesus Christ was talking about the seeds, he says some give 30s, some give 60s, some give 100. In other words, there are capacities. Okay? Your capacities that you have. And until you grow your capacity, you are going to be limited. But that's a story for another day. And this same thing applies to members, ordinary members of the church. There are many who desire a place of prominence, who desire a place of opportunity, they desire a place of influence. But unfortunately, they are too lazy to develop the character, the discipline, and the skills required to to stand in that place of prominence. It is not easy to... I've told people several times, and I keep saying it, this is one of the most dangerous places any man can stand. The most dangerous place. Because from here, there are so many preachers who have gone from here straight to hell. There are so many people who are still doing it, and they are still going to hell. And for any man to be able to stand here and stand successfully, you must be able to have the discipline to develop the character, the discipline, and the skills to be able to stand and minister the word of God. The Bible says, study to show yourself a minister of God that rightly divides the word of God. In other words, it means that it's possible to wrongly divide the word of truth. So those who seek a place of prominence, but unfortunately are too lazy to develop the character, the discipline, and the skills required to stand in that place of prominence. There are many in our churches who, you know, many in our churches, many in our place of work, many in our communities who want to stand in a place of honor, but they do not even know what it takes to stand in that place of honor. Others want a place of honor, others want a place of prominence, but they do not fully appreciate the costs of what it takes to stand there. And this morning, we started a, a, a I wouldn't want to call it a series, but we started asking ourselves some very difficult questions at the beginning of this particular month. We started by asking the question, who can claim the God, who can claim the blessings of God? Then last week, we asked the question, who can speak to dry bones? Today, we are asking another question, who can stand before kings? Who can stand in the place of honor? Who is qualified to be able to stand in the place of king before kings? And we go back to our verse of the scripture, Proverbs 22, reading from verse number 29, the Bible says, Seest thou a man diligent in his business, he shall stand before kings, he shall not stand before mean men. In other words, a man who excels in his work, a man who is skilled at what he does, a man who is experienced at what he does, the Bible is saying that that man will not be in obscurity for a very long time, because he's going to be known, he's going to be found. He will be elevated to a place of honor. In other words, when you know what you are doing, and you are good at what you are doing, you will not stay long in obscurity. People will find you. Because they will know you as time goes on, if you do not fail. okay. Now, if you read this verse in reverse, if you read the negative part of this particular verse, it simply means that if you don't know what you are doing, if you are not diligent at what you are doing, if you have no idea what you are doing, If you are not skilled at what you are doing, if you are not experienced at what you are doing, you can desire a place of honor. You can dream about a place of honor. You can fight for a place of honor. You can backbite and pull others from the place of honor. But you will never be placed in a place of honor because you don't know what you're doing. And if by hook or by crook, or by connection, somebody takes you and places you in a place of honor because you have a connection, or because of your name, or because of the people you know. If you are placed in a place of honor, what you will find is that you will not be able to sustain it. You will not be able to sustain it because why? You don't have the skill. If you are not diligent or skilled in the things that you do, you will not be placed in a place of honor. And like I said, if you don't, you know, if 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 you are if you are put in there, you will not be able to sustain it. The question is, who is a diligent man? Or what does it take to be a diligent man? Who is a diligent man? Who is diligent at his work? A diligent man, like I've been saying all along, is a skillful man. A diligent man is a man who know who is good at what he does. A diligent man is a man who is experienced at his service. A diligent man is a hard-working man. A diligent man is a rigorous man. A diligent man is a thorough man. A diligent man is a persistent man. A a man who is tenacious. A man who is perseverant. A man who is dedicated. A man who is committed. A man who is tireless. That is a diligent man. A man who does not give up just because things are difficult. A man who is willing, to who is devoted to the craft or to the calling that God has given unto him. This is how the Bible describes a diligent man. And the is saying that this is this kind of man, that tireless man, that tenacious man, that man who is committed, that man who is devoted. The Bible is saying that this is the kind of a man, this is the kind of a woman, this is the kind of a boy or a girl who will stand before kings. Okay? The question is, what does it mean then to stand before kings? What does it mean? And when we refer to the when we use the word king, we are talking about people of prominence. We are talking about people of power. We are talking about people who make difference, who make a difference in the society. What does it mean to stand before them? To stand before the king means you are standing in a place of honor. When they call, you remember when the, presidents, uh, you know, when the president called and they begin to say they want to award the Medal of Honor. That is talking about standing before a king. That is the place of honor. To stand before a king means you are standing in a place of prominence. A place where everybody, others desire to stand. When they say you are standing before a king, it means you are standing in a place of recognition. A place of respect. A place where everybody can see you and they can begin to give you, the, give you accolades. A place of influence is what it means when you are standing before a king. What does it mean to stand before a king? You are standing before the you are standing in a place where decisions are made, where things that sh- that affect the lives of millions, where the decisions are made. That is where you are standing. That's what it means to stand before king. And every one of us here sitting in this room want to stand in a place. We want to stand in a place like that. You want to be among the people who move and shape the society. You want to be among the people who, who, who speak a word and affect many lives. The question then is, what does it take? to stand in those places is it just imagining it or is it just dreaming about it what does it take to stand in such a place let's look at psalm 78 psalm number 78 reading from verse number 70 the bible says he chose david also his servant and took him from the sheepfold from following the eel great with young he brought him to feed jacob his people And Israel, his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart. And guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. So what does it take to stand before a king? What does it take to stand before a king? Number one, it takes an invitation to stand before a king. Nobody just appears before a king. It takes an invitation to stand before a king. Now there are some of us who are always saying, you know, there are some people who 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 hear this or those who are watching online who will say, hey, this so this is you know this is not fair. What about if you don't know anybody to invite you to the king's palace? So I mean, how can you stand before a king? Is only based on invitation. Yes, that is how it works. You do not just appear before a king. You know that you don't just appear before a king. You have to be invited. And there's something you must understand about invitation. Three things you must understand about invitation. Number one, you are invited based on who you know. That's number one. Number two, you are invited based on who you are. And then number three, you are invited based on what you have. Okay, let's go one by one. By who you know, based on your connection. If I know the right person today, I can see the governor. I can see the president if I know the right person. Number two, if by who I am If my name ends with the Clinton Or my name ends with the Bush I can go to the White House Because that's my name, that's who I am Based on my family, based on my heritage But at the same time I can write my own invitation by what I have If today A politician knows that there is a guy An African guy, a lifelong anointing child That can write him a check for a million dollars For his campaign He will come here to come and give a speech He will come because of what I have if they know that this guy is so smart, with his shiny head, he's so smart, he can write a program that will make them to catch all this ISIS guy. I tell you, all this CIA, NSA guy will be here sitting in the front row because they know I have something that they want. So, invitation is not only based on who you are or who you are. It's not only based on who you are or who you know. It's based on what you have. When you have the skill when you have the calling, when you have the anointing, when you have the hands of God upon your life, what happens? Doors open unto you. Kings start making way for you. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, find out what God has deposited in your life. Align yourself with it and then you will see doors opening. So number one, to stand before the king, you must do what? You must be able, you must be invited. An invitation is a function of what you have to offer what you have to bring to the table I've always said it here I've kind of joked about it and that is that the market does not care what you need the market does not care what you have the size of your family the market does not care how big you are or how small you are this market is only interested in one thing and that is the value you bring to the table what value do you bring to the table that is why somebody can be paid a million and another person will be paid $7 an hour working for the same company. It's the value you bring to the table. The invitation to the presence of the king is a function of what you have to bring to the table. What do you have to bring to the table? Number two, how do you stand before kings? You stand before kings by the skills you possess. What do you possess? Are you able to interpret the dreams like Joseph? Are you able to be able to speak the word of God like Daniel? Are you able to be able to minister the Word of God like the, like Paul the Apostle? What are you able to bring to the table? What skills do you have to stand before the King? You must be a man or a woman of skills. You must have something to present when you are invited. A lot of us dream about the place of honor. We dream about the place of opportunity. We dream about the place of influence. But there is nothing that we can present when we are called upon. What do you have in your hands? What do you have in your hands? Unless you have the skills that the market needs. Unless you have the skills that the kings need. Unless you have the skills that the men of honor, the men of repute, the men of high places. Unless you have what they need, why should they care about you? Why should they invite you to their presence? Why should you stand before their presence? They don't like their time being wasted. So a man who will stand before king, number one, has to be invited. Number two, has to have skill. Number three, a man who, has, who, who will stand before the king must not be a lazy person. must be a hard-working person. He must be a hard-working person. You cannot be lazy and serve the Lord. It is not possible. You cannot be lazy and be effective. If you read through the scripture, you will see what the Lord Almighty passes his people through. And if you look at the people who are successful, if you have the opportunity of speaking to them, you will notice that they are having meetings. They are having meetings, 3 a.m. in the morning, when many of us are already fast asleep. That is when they are walking. That is when they are awake. And if you see a student that succeeds, what does he do? When everybody has gone to sleep, that is when the student wakes up and studies. A man who will stand before king must be a hard-working person. Kings do not tolerate laziness or indolence. They don't. Number four, who is the man that will stand before king? The man that stands before a king is a man who is dedicated and committed. Dedicated and committed. It's not a man who touches one thing and lets it go. It's not a touch and go kind of person. You touch this one today because it's not showing results in two weeks, you leave it. Because it's not showing results in one month, you leave it. You are doing a particular business. You have not even allowed the business to even, to even settle down. You are already thinking of doing something else. When you do touch and go and you are not dedicated, you are not committed, you cannot stand before a king. You cannot. Because the things that matter, the things that make a difference in the life of an individual, they do not happen in an instance. That is why there is a difference between a corn and an oak tree. That's why men do not build houses with what? They do not build houses with the the shrubs that you see around the wood that comes from the shrub. No, it cannot sustain anything. It doesn't have the strength. But the things that last, the things that matter, they are built through dedication and through commitment. And the man that will stand before kings is a man that has those two qualities, the dedication and the commitments. Number five, who is the man that will stand before a king? The man that will stand before a king is a man that is a patient person. You can never enter the presence of the king in a hurry. You can't. The problem with us in the western world is that we have no idea. We have no concept of royalty. We have no concept of it. And because we have no concept of royalty, we talk to people anyhow. We behave anyhow. We have no culture. We have no respect for all that. We have no respect for elders. We have no respect for authority. But if you are going to go into the presence of the king, you are told when to move forward. You are told when to speak. You are told when to stand up. You are told when to sit down. There is protocol that's protocol and if you are going to stand before the king you must be a patient man I remember when we you know some time ago there was a particular uh, we were myself and my younger brother were involved uh, we we, we exhibited an arts we did some artwork we exhibited it in the youth forum and the then minister of youths in our country at that time was in that particular art exhibition and he saw it he liked it and he said okay bring it to my office on Monday okay bring it to my office on Monday by 8 a.m. on Monday morning, we were already at the office with the art wrapped, everything well done. You will not believe we sat down there from 8 o'clock, 9, 10, 11, 12. We could not even go to lunch because we were afraid that when we go out of that day, the guy will come. So we sat down there. We did not see this guy until 4 p.m. in the evening from 8 in the morning. Okay? And when we saw him, do you know how many minutes we spent with him? Less than 10 minutes. Guys, oh yeah, 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 you are the guy from this, this, this. Okay, just uh, 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 take care of them And that was it That was it We sat down there from 8 till 4 Only to hear, take care of him And this is just a minister, not the president Just a minister The point I'm making is this The man who will stand before the king Is not a man who is in a hurry you cannot rush your way into the presence of the king. You cannot rush your way into the presence of royalty. You cannot rush your place, Rush your, you rush yourself into the presence. You cannot hurry them. You have to be a man of patience. Because it is in the process of patience. That's when they see what you are made of. If you cannot be patient in their presence, it means that you cannot accomplish with the tasks that they are about to give to you. It means that you are not even qualified to handle some of the things that you are given. Number six. Who stands in the presence of the who is able to stand before kings the man who stands before king is a man of known accomplishments a man of known accomplishment now let me pause for a second accomplishment does not mean that you are popular accomplishment does not mean that everybody knows you it simply means that you are somebody who gets things done who have done something okay The thing may not be known, but you have done something. In your own little life, in your own little way, in your own little corner, you are doing something that will move life forward. You are doing something. You are engaged in something. And that is why the Lord never calls any man who is indolent. He never calls any man who is just sitting, who is still in He never calls anybody who is not involved in something. If you look at all the heroes of faith in the Bible, they were engaged in something when the Lord pulled them out. What are you doing for the Lord? There are people who want to speak for God, but they cannot even talk to God. You want to be able to minister the word of God, but you have not even taken the time to even study the word. What are you doing for God? This morning we talked about the fact that you minister to members of your family. If you cannot minister to members of your family, how can you minister to your community?
0: Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee.